Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Perfect Stranger. Turn to Matthew 25. Let's jump in at verse 31. He's given some analogies here. And he jumps in here with when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You go, wow, that's great. I made it. Now see, and please listen very closely because you cannot misunderstand this. What I'm about to read you doesn't mean if you just do the right things, that will get you in. The only way you land in front of Jesus and have a way to get in through Jesus is through Jesus. So you have to understand implicit in the Bible, there is no way to the Father but through Jesus. But there is this doing something with your faith category that is very hard to get away from biblically. You know, a man says he has faith. Well, then it talks about, well, show me your faith by what you do. There should be at some point some manifestation of that, right? It sounds like if we could just put a period right there, we'd all be good. But there's a comma and he keeps going. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Now, my brain goes to people standing at stoplights with little homemade signs, right? If that's all the hungry people you know about, you need to get out more. Is that the only people you know that are hungry? The world's starving to death. And I'm one of these people that watches TV and hits my remote. When they put the pictures of the starving children, man, I hit the channel fast. Because I don't want to get sucked into that mess. That might cost me 20 bucks a month, right? What is it about us if we're really believers? We're really on the right, let's say. We believe the right things and it's real to us and we're passionate and compassionate. Then something ought to stir. You can't just keep changing channels the rest of your life. Something has to happen to us. You have to engage because, well, let's read it. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. How hard could that be? I got kind of a distant cousin, uncle, whatever he is. I'm related to him. We called him uncle, but that's not true. So anyhow, you know, he was way out there, married multiple times, got saved, got right with God, and now he ends up down on the Amazon River with a barge kind of boat, goes down there all the time, and he's punching water wells. You say, well, there's a river. Why is that? Because the river goes down 30 feet at a time sometimes during the year in the dry season, and it cuts entire villages off, and they cannot, literally, they can't get to the water. So they have no water, so they need water. So you go down there and poke a hole in the ground and get them drinking water, and you know what? Then they'll listen to you because you've met a no-brainer practical need, right? I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Now there's a word, there's a spiritual gift called hospitality and the Greek word for hospitality is two words put together to make hospitality and the two words are lover of strangers. 
The hospitality industry, the reason they call it the hospitality industry is they are lovers of strangers. They're supposed to be. In other words, someone walks in, steps up the desk, I need a room, take care of me, right? Now, I really don't think I have that gift. When I go home, I don't want you in my house. You know, I don't want any strangers in my house. You know, I don't want to get up in the middle of the night and have to think about, you know, going to the bathroom, what I got on, if you're in the house or something. You know, I don't want any strangers in my house. Right? There we go. Another merciless soul back there. So, But see, some of you got this, a, literally a gift of hospitality. Now, I grew up around these people, and maybe you had a grandma or a mom like this. They just bring anything home. I mean anything almost. Oh, come to our house. You can have lunch with us. Oh, come to our house. You can stay with us till you find a place. Not even a hesitation. Like, are you crazy? What if they're a cereal killer or they eat all our cereal or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> you can't be bringing people in here. There's some of you that would have zero hesitation. Someone doesn't have a place to go. We'll take them in. And Jesus here says, I was a stranger and you took me in. And so they walk in. And what does the body of Christ do? It takes them in. And some people are weird. You know how I know that? Because I got a mirror. I'm weird. You're weird. We all got reasons why somebody wouldn't take us or love us, right? But Jesus says, I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. Now, this doesn't happen a lot here. But you know what? There are people around the world. It isn't about deciding what they're going to wear. It's about finding something at all to wear. You say, well, how can that be possible? You need to think about these things. Because most of us got up, like, what am I going to wear today? It's like you got to pray about it almost. There's so many options, right? Well, that belt doesn't really go with that purse. And you know I'm right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. Now, let me tell you something, guys. Sooner or later, this is just, it's almost inane. It's just ridiculous. Now, I don't particularly like going into nursing homes. I'm going to tell you something. If you live, you may get old. And if you get old, you too may end up in the fetal position in some strange place with a bunch of people doing whatever. And just having someone come by and kiss you on the forehead might be nice. You say, I don't know how to serve. That's an easy way to serve. When I was 20-something years old, pastored a church out in the country, and part of the deal, I ended up going to speak at this nursing home, and I would go in, and these people are long gone, I know. Old, old, old people, literally in the fetal position, and you'd go in, and they didn't look good, and if you know what I'm talking about, there is a smell in a nursing home. How many of you know that smell I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? I don't like that smell, and no matter how much Febreze you take with you, you ain't fixing it. And that smell doesn't go away, and it's almost a pre-death smell. But when you go in the midst of that smell, and someone is sick, and you go sit by their bed, and I remember little old ladies that I would stroke their hair and lean down and kiss them on the forehead or the cheek or something and tell them somebody loved them. I don't like doing that, but you know what? That's part of the deal. You say, well, I don't have time. You're going to see in a minute. You better make time. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. I'm on the board of a prison ministry and I don't even like going into prisons. It's not that I get afraid or anything, it's just, it's not a good place. A lot of these things, they're not good places. But as you'll see in a minute, as it turns out, that's where he is. That's why he left us here. He is trying to mobilize us to engage in, in a lot of cases with perfect strangers. Not so perfect strangers as it turns out, just like us. Now, if you feel some resistance and like, you know what? This is not what I'm interested in. I thought the way this worked was I come to church 
and I write checks and pay you people to take care of these verses. You know, that's the professional, right? These are professional things. Let's hire some more people if you don't think this is getting done. I'll write bigger checks. You're not going to be able to write any checks standing before Jesus here. You better be making deposits along the way. Now, what is his point? I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him. The people who are righteous, and by the way, the righteous, you're made righteous by Christ. And the point here to me is, if you have been made righteous, then that righteousness is sooner or later going to manifest in some way. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works, that whole thing in James again. So, you know, you say, well, I haven't done any of this. You're not dead. So think, listen, engage. The righteous will answer him, Lord. Now see, they're thinking, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? Because see, if Jesus walks in here, if I could somehow get him to show up here in the flesh, we'd all bow, jump through hoops, be all in awe. You know, everybody would be fighting. Who's going to take him to lunch? Of course, I would. So that, that would work. So. We'd be all, all weird and goofy because it's him. But what he says here is, he already is me. You're missing me every day. You miss me. In some cases, you didn't know you were doing it to me. And then he answers it. And assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now, let me encourage you to do something. Start keeping your eyes open for the least of these. Most of us are suck-ups. Hi, how are you doing? Where do you live? What do you do? Oh, very nice to meet you. And you have a beach house where? And we could play golf where? Where? And you could help me how? <laughs> Find somebody who can't do anything for you. Can't do anything. They got no party to invite you to. You invite them to your party and you're not invite them to your party to get to their party for nothing. You'd be amazed at how Jesus is all around here and we miss him. Keep reading. The good news was first. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, and I don't, I'm just reading you the story, but it appears that he separates them out. So he deals with the right side first, right? All the sheep get this exchange. If the left side is listening, they're about to figure out this didn't going to go too well. Because whoever's on the left side, everything he said you're supposed to do, they are realizing we didn't have any interest in that. Now, please don't misunderstand me. You say, well, if I have never done any of these things, does that mean that I'm not going to make heaven? You got Jesus, you're going to make heaven. But what I am continuing to try to put out here is if you have really got Jesus, Jesus is going to show up and do something that Jesus did while he was here and is gonna engage you and us with these people in the list. And so if we claim to be representatives of his and we are not engaging with the people on this list, then something is not working. So he goes to those on the left hand. Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Bam, it just drops it on him. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was stranger, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? If we had seen you, we'd have done something. Because we're looking for important people, right? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? 
and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. You didn't do it to them, it means you didn't do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, does this make you a little uncomfortable? Does it make you think? It's supposed to be making you think. What are you doing? You say, well, I want eternal life. I think I got eternal life. Then something is not working if it's not being worked out in your life and there's not tangible stuff going on. You say, well, I'm going to be uncomfortable. You know what? If you don't get in the game, you're going to be uncomfortable the rest of your life because you're missing. Why did he leave us here? We are his hands. We are his feet. We are him. The body of Christ is supposed to be literally that, the body of Christ. And all of us together mobilized, it's like Jesus puts us all on and says, okay, it's going to take all of you, but it'll be me reaching the world. And maybe one of you has the gift of hospitality. You take them in. One of you has this gift. One of you has that. Do your part. Get in the game and stop trying to figure out a way to get out of it. The least of your problems is pulling up to a stoplight and deciding whether you're going to give a buck to some guy standing there that might be scamming or not. You don't know that. Just ask the Holy Spirit, say, do you want me to give $1 here? Do you want me to give $100,000 over here? What do you want me to do? You've got to show me. Where do I go serve? And what happens if you've ever been involved in this stuff? What happens to you is when you go do something, you come home and go, oh my gosh, I thought this was going to be a pain in the butt, a waste of time, exhausting, whatever. And you come home spent, but really not. You invested and you come home more blessed than they ever were. You say, well, if I go do all that, I'll miss GCB or something, man. What am I going to do? You know? I can record Desperate Housewives, but I'm not going to help any Desperate Housewives. Okay, go to John chapter 20, and I'll just, I'll give you the background here pretty quick, and then read a few verses. Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, and now they're going, and by the way, nobody believes he's been raised from the dead. You can't find anybody in scripture who believed he was raised from the dead. Nobody went looking for an empty tomb, okay? Nobody. So Mary Magdalene goes out there looking, jump down, verse 11, but Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head, one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. He's gone. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Like, what's her to cry about? Like, what's going on here? Don't you people get it? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Okay, now listen to me. It is possible to see Jesus, obviously, and never see him, even if you know him. And she knew him. She went looking for him. She could identify the body. And she is looking at him and talking to him and does not know it's him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. I'll take him. Please tell me what you've done with your body. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. 
So she saw him, but he was a perfect stranger, a perfect stranger. And then he said her name and boom, she knows who it is. Go to Luke 24. So this is all still going on. Similar situation, they've gone looking for his body. Peter's run out there in verse 12, sees the linen cloths lying by themselves. He departed, marveled at what had happened. And then verse 13, jump in there with me. Now behold, two of them were traveling, not two of the 11 that were left, just two of his followers. Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So life went on, okay? And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Like what happened? So they don't believe anything good has happened. They are going over it, what they've been a part of. He's dead. They buried him. The body's missing. What happened? And Jesus goes, why are you sad? So he doesn't come up, punch him in the nose like you idiots. Why didn't you believe? He picks up with them where they are and walks along with them to see what's going on. Okay. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Are you the only guy who doesn't know what's going on? And he said to them, what things? Now, if you don't think there's humor in the Bible, this is hysterical. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is jacking with them here a little bit, but this is pretty funny because they're standing there talking to him and don't know that they're talking to him. How is that possible? That's the point that I'm trying to get to back before. How can you encounter Jesus and never know it's him? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, but they still don't believe it. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. They still don't know it's him. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have to go farther. Like, where's he gotta be? This is what's so funny to me. Ah, uh, well, it was nice talking to you guys, but I gotta go on down the road. Like, where has he got an appointment or something? But they constrain and like, no, 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 stay with us. Abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. So he changed his plans. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And let me tell you something, that would freak me completely out. And they said to one another, now listen, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 
and then he shows up there. You say, well, I've never seen him. He doesn't appear to me. He may be appearing to you every stinking day and you miss it because you're not looking for him the way you should be looking for him because he shows up as a perfect stranger sometimes in perfect strangers. Now, the same thing applies even while you listen right now. You go, I don't see Jesus, but yet you got heartburn and something's going on you can't explain. People tell me from time to time they come in a gathering like this and something just hits them. It's not something, it is someone. Because if this body, if this body is doing what it's supposed to be doing and is what it is supposed to be, then when you come in here, you are in the presence of Jesus because we are the body of Christ. And if you walk into a gathering of the body of Christ and you don't sense his presence, there's a problem. And you may not be able to explain it or know what it means, but when you walk in a gathering like this, you should know that Jesus is here. Whether you can explain it or not, he better be here. Now, I'm encouraging you that if you hear his voice and you sense his presence, to not say, ah, that's just indigestion, heartburn of another kind, it's not him. Respond respond initially by saying, God, I get it now. I see it. You've been coming after me in ways that I didn't realize. You were sending people. You've been trying to knock on the heart of my door and I'm not open. Okay, you know what? I'm done. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you were raised from the dead. I see that you've been after me. I'm going to respond to that voice. I'm going to respond to your presence and I want you to forgive me of my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner. I trust that Jesus died for me personally. Come live in me, through me, change me, my heart, my mind, my soul, my life, everything about me, change me and help me not stop responding to this same presence. Because when you become a Christian, what happens to a lot of Christians is they go to sleep, they go dormant, they shut down. And Jesus is not going to move in your body for you to go to sleep. He's going to move in so he can move out and move you on and do something that he was doing while he was here. Where do you see Jesus? Follow Jesus around in the New Testament. What did he do? He was with the sick. He was feeding people. He was doing. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. So if you have him in you, he is going to mobilize you to go do that. People say to me, I don't know what my purpose is. You know, I can't figure out why I'm alive. You're alive because he's alive. And when you let him live in you and through you, you will find your life. But you're going to have to lose it to find it his way. And that means you're going to have to say no to you and yes to him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow him. It's going to cost you. But I'm telling you, it's going to come back in crazy ways. Especially when you stand before him one day and he said, you remember all those people you fed, you clothed, you gave something to drink to, you visited? That was me. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out richardellistalks.com and Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk now the Bible talks about offering your body as a living sacrifice so it doesn't do any good to climb up on an altar and have Jesus slit your throat and you'd be dead you get up on the altar and you say okay I'm as good as gone 
but I yield this body. I lay here on this altar. I yield this head, this torso, these arms, hands, these feet, everything I got, I yield to you, God. So what are we gonna do today? Put me on like a glove and use me, take me. He said, well, I don't know where would I end up? Probably where he wants to go. <laughs> well, what if it costs me money? Good, it's his money anyway. Yes, what if it costs me time? My time is his time. Yes, what if it gets me fired? He's gonna take care of you. What if I have to give up my corner office and end up someplace? I got a buddy right now, has a new office in South Dallas, lived way out, I'm not knocking people live out north, big old house out north, big job, lots of money, everything. You know what, he quit the job. He is working for a ministry, making a tenth probably of what he made before. But the Holy Spirit spoke to him to do something and he obeyed. Now, did it cost him monetarily? Maybe. But boy, it's going to pay off eternally because he's in a spot where he is doing these things and not just saying he believes them and talking about them. I can tell you what you believe by just following you around for a little while. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.